Today, I had the esteemed pleasure of talking to Alan Stone. Alan is a soul singer, songwriter, and musician. Has been making music for over a decade now. Beautiful music. I love the way that Alan approaches music. Uh, I was lucky enough to meet Alan early on in his career and have been able to kind of peripherally follow his his journey through this uh, this beautiful path of music and to watch him grow into where he's at now and to continue to grow. So in today's conversation, we're going to talk a lot about the ego and how the ego uh, is kind of needed to get us to a point to feel confident in the abilities that we have, but then we also need to keep that ego in check so it doesn't become the driving force. So today's conversation, we're going to talk about Alan's approach to music, how he is inspired to write the the music that he writes, and how sometimes looking back at some of the music that he has written might change the way that he approaches music in the future. I love this conversation. It talks a lot about the energy that we hold as human beings in every process and every step of life that we take, not just being a performer, not just being a musician, but even being you know, the, the parents that we are, the teachers that we are. So I hope you get something out of the conversation. We'll see you on the other side. But first, a message from our sponsor. Anamkara is a gorgeous meditation and healing center offering daily in-person and virtual services to help bring you back to the center of who you truly are. They serve through a collective of practitioners, healers, and teachers offering daily meditation classes, one-on-one healing sessions, workshops, personal ceremonies, and private events, plus corporate and team training, all with mindfulness at the core. The center itself is located in the heart of downtown Spokane. Every part of it was built, designed, and curated for you to drop into your calm place. They have a large community space for daily meditation classes and workshops, as well as two one-on-one healing rooms, a community kitchen to gather for tea, plus a well-stocked apothecary for you to gather all of your self-care and ritual needs. Hannah Talbot, the owner and founder of Anamkara, dreamed of opening this space for years. It is her ultimate manifestation, and she cannot wait to share it with those in the Spokane community, but also through the virtual ethers, wherever you may be. Pop in for a class today. You can follow them on Instagram to book and stay up to date. Check out the website, the full schedule, meet the practitioners, and view all the offerings. Visit them at anamkarahealing.center. Anamkara, may you be nourished and ignited. Our healing journey can be difficult. It might feel lonely at times. That's why I love sound baths. When we can get together in a community, we intrinsically support and feel supported by others. And that combined energy can help us go deeper into our own healing journeys. And all you have to do is just lay there for one hour and listen to beautiful healing sounds. I'm a sound healing practitioner, and I hold sound baths on a regular basis in the greater Seattle area. You can find my next sound baths on my website at adamrealhealing.com. That's Adam, A-D-A-M, real, R-I-E-H-L, healing, H-E-A-L-I-N-G, dot com. AdamRealHealing.com. Your healing is worth your time. And now an uninterrupted podcast with Alan Stone. All right, welcome back to the show. Uh, today I'm talking with a gentleman that I've known for a while, but haven't seen in quite a bit of time. Uh, so Alan Stone is a, a gentleman that I met uh, through work a, a number of years ago, probably about 2008, 2009. And uh, through another friend, Julian uh, Galvalanis, who was actually on the show a couple weeks ago. So Julian came to me when I was uh, managing this restaurant called IPIC and said, hey, I got this guy that's a really good friend of mine. He's a musician. He's in town for the summer, just needs a gig to, you know, just keep him keep him going until he hits the road again, uh, playing some more shows. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Well, you know, busser, you know, something like that. And so in walks Alan, right? This long haired, just beautiful man. He's got big glasses on. And, uh, and we sit down and talk and we're like, okay, cool. You know, just here for a little bit of time, bust some tables, you know, clean some cinemas. 
And then, uh, so we agreed on that. And then you also handed me your, your demo. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, this happens a lot in Seattle, right? People hand demos, especially in restaurants and entertainment industry, stuff like that. So, and I love music. At that time, like I was, I was uh, in between, um, I just left like recording and producing and live sound engineering and was focusing more on my family and things like that. And so giving me that music and giving me a chance to sit down and listen to it kind of rekindled my love for the passion that I just was leaving and, and moving away from. And I'm like, there's this fucking kid out there that's got the voice of a goddamn angel. Like he's just so soulful in the way that he presents his music, right? And so like we ended up hired Alan and the one of the very first shifts, and I'm sorry, this is a long story, but I just, I love telling this story. I was walking through one of the cinemas just to make sure that Alan was cleaning the cinema, right? And it was the end of a movie and it was Gran Torino, that Clint Eastwood movie. And I just, I couldn't understand what was happening when I walked in that cinema. You were singing the outro theme song for Gran Torino. And it was the most beautiful fucking thing I'd ever heard. And I just literally sat down in the back of the cinema while you were just vacuuming, you know, cleaning your tables, you know, dancing around, doing your shit, but singing Gran Torino. And I'm like, take this in, man, because this dude is going to be fucking playing in front of a lot of people one day. And you're the only person in here. He has no idea that you're singing and you're just in, in, enveloped in this moment. And it was such a goddamn beautiful moment. And, you know, very rarely do we get to tell people how beautiful the moment is that you provided. And that providing of that moment was such a goddamn pivotal thing for me, Alan. And I really appreciate that. And that's like kept me just wanting to make sure that I know what you're doing with your music career and what you're doing with your passions, because you are fucking littered with passion and littered with talent, my friend. So thank you for being here. Thank you for being <laughs> here. Thank you for letting me tell that story. Uh, actually, I was just telling that story to somebody the other day and it just made me so happy just to just think about that again. Man. Wow. Thank I've, I want to shrink you, Adam, and, and put you in my upper shirt pocket. Have <laughs> you introduce me and, at every place that I enter. That was <laughs> one of the most generous introductions I've ever received. Thank you so much, man. Oh, appreciate it's, that. Uh, it's great to see it. Those years, looking back on that time that we spent together at, at that restaurant, um, <laughs> like I had, I don't think you realize how uh, much of an imprint those few months like made on me. Mm. That was really like, Coming out of the the padded, uh, comfortable childhood and adolescence that I received uh, where I came from, moving to Seattle and then finally getting like a real job. Mm. Like that was like my first real job, right? Like I had mowed lawns and I had, um, you know, like cleaned up people's yards and and cleaned houses but just for a few bucks over the weekend here and there right mm -hmm. and that was my first time like getting a taste of what it could be like if you didn't get your the bow or your ship pointed in the direction where you wanted to go right you know you want to you want to faff around and and party with your friends all the time while well, you're most likely going to be cleaning up people's shit for the, <laughs> for the rest of your your days and so getting that opportunity really like lit a fire under my seat and my tailpipe to to go like i i gotta get this music thing right mm. you know i, I want to play music and if i'm gonna do it it's gonna take 
eight times as much work uh, as this is. Yeah, this is fun, but man, I don't want to be doing this much longer. So, and it's good. Yeah. It's good to have those catalysts, you know, to you know, to to figure out where we're at in life, you know, and to have an opportunity and say, okay, cool. So this is this is traditional work, right? This is nine to five. This is you know whatever. Okay, this is not what I want to do. This is going to drive me to continue on to my passion for singing, for creating, for for whatever uh, like artistship that you're doing. And we need that. Like we need that kick in the ass sometimes and be like, I don't want to fucking be here. Like, mm. thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it, but like, no. No, I've 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 got other things that I really want to be passionate about rather than making sure there's vacuum lines in the cinema for the next fucking group to come in and appreciate, <laughs> you know? Like there's there's bigger things that you're meant for, Alan. And I'm so happy you found that and you kept following that shit, man. Yeah, thanks, man. It's it's funny in life how that happens. We're we're kind of constantly defined by not only moments of glory, but mostly moments of like pain and suffering. And, and not to say that that job was pain and suffering, but it was a moment in my life that was like a, a almost a backboard mm. for uh, the rebound, which was, I got to focus on this music stuff. You know, whether it's going bankrupt or, you know, a car breaking down or getting you know, you're heartbroken for the fourth time. Yeah. Like pain is such a, such a incredible motivator for the positivity that life can bring. Mm. And not to get crazy existential on like a, a busboy job at a movie theater, but like, honestly, that time, that three, four, five, six months, I forget how long I was there. Um, that was like right before my, my music, started like managing to pay my bills yeah like i remember leaving that job and and starting to get gigs in seattle that you know i was i was selling 100 tickets at mm -hmm. and, and i could pay my rent for that month right off one show and i was like this what yeah this doesn't happen um and i would take like a little bit of that money and i would go down to portland and i would like do a house show and i would make a little money from that like that job um was was at least some fuel in the inertia that that got me motivated to pursue this music thing which is you know it's it's still a joy and it's still uh it's all of the things that a creative endeavor is yeah but i'm so glad that um i'm so glad that i had those moments early that 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 got me going soon too. I know a lot of people who, who um, they don't find those moments of, of rebound or, or pressure until later in life. And they're like, man, I gotta be a painter. I should have been a painter the whole time. I'm, I'm 57 now and I, I'm gonna be a painter, you know? Like I, luckily I was 21 years old and, and, and got that fire lit under me. Damn straight. So where did, where did music come from for you? Like, did you get started? I, I, I think I have a, a vague in, uh, inkling of where y you got started. You know, I think your dad was a pastor. You did some church stuff, but how did, how did music like kind of grip you the way that it has and, and put you into this? Like, I mean, you've just got so much soul, so much like creativity. I, I can feel the music that you create. It's not, it's not like, Oh, we're going to just write a catchy song. Like I feel every, every lyric that you make. And nice, it's beautiful. Man. It comes from it comes from that soul, man. You know, and so where did where did music kind of enter into your life and start to become something? You're like, you know what? I can do this. I I, I can. I've got a lot of creativity to put out there in the world. 
Yeah, I, it was the church for sure. Okay. You know, I think I've always been led by my feelings and mostly in, in life. Um, and I first got that feeling in service, like singing and, and praising God. Hmm. Um, there's, there's this feeling that's kind of hard to explain when you're singing and you're singing with people. Um, and I chase that to this day, hmm. like, you know, obviously I have a mortgage and like, I got two babies. And so when you mix art and commerce, those waters can get a little bit murky, Yeah, you know, cause you gotta, you gotta make sure there's some commas in the bank account to, right. to facilitate life. And so you can't always chase that feeling. Right. But, but that's where it started was, was this emotion that came over me while singing with a large group of people in a church. Mm. Um, and whether that was God or whether that was uh, the universe or Allah or just like frequency and hurts being shaped in a specific fashion that like tingled the pathways in my neurochemistry, mm. however you want to explain it, uh, it's an undeniable feeling that I chase to this day just trying to 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 recreate that yeah. trying, trying to recreate those moments where like you're so present and you're so overwhelmed by the cascade of of sound mm. um, yeah there's yeah. something you know there there is a beautiful healing that can happen from group singing from group toning from group mm. whatever anything in a group right but then you add that layer of spirituality or religion into it and you're you're professing this internal energy towards this community and that community is professing that up towards you know the deity or you know the religious thing that you're that you're worshiping and there's so much healing that can happen with that on a cellular level in our bodies you know yeah. from from you know what i've learned from sound healing and working with individuals like that but the the impact of holding space for hundreds if not thousands of people on a stage providing this beautiful soundscape for all of these attentive people that are there to just experience this this soundscape and this big energetic movement like there's i i couldn't even imagine what that feels like being on stage and being a part of this energetic movement providing that soundtrack for all of these people to just to just release and be and just have fucking fun and just re realize their humanity for a little bit. Like that's such a cool thing to do, man. You got a great fucking job, man. I lucked out. Yeah. I, it's interesting though with music and, and uh, the ego though, mm. because when you're doing music, right. <clears throat> and you are in charge of that experience. There's also an amount of ego that like comes right with it. Hmm. You, you need ego to get on stage. You need ego to have the minerals to like grab a microphone and say, listen to me. <laughs> right? But that little ego, son of a bitch, is what always gets in the way from being the greatest vessel for music. Hmm. You bring that ego into a songwriting session, that that's going to inform the song. And not to say that, you know, good songs haven't been written without the ego in the room, but um, all my best songs, uh, I've had to cognitively understand that the ego's in there and then actively avoid it. Mm, mm. Like actively attempt to be just a funnel for, for a body of art, music, 
words, uh, whatever you want to call it, that's going to compel others' emotions. Hmm. Like that's ultimately what we do. I think as musicians, I think as artists, right? Like none of it's ours. Like none, none of this art shit is any of the artists' stuff. Right. We just like we're taking influence from what we've gathered over our lifespan and we're reshaping it and reforming it into something that we hope compels the next person as much as we were compelled by our influences. Wow. If you're you're doing it right. And um, the hardest part about it, right, is because uh, for me personally, I don't know if it's all artists, but for me, I find the hardest part about it is, um, you know, you're given this, you're given this, like you said, I have the best job in the world and I'm, and I'm given this, um, opportunity every moment that I get to play music in front of people or write a song. Uh, my ego is what has, has helped me get here. Mm -hmm. There's no denying, there's no denying that if, that if the ego wasn't there, I wouldn't be on stage trying to impress people. Right. But when you are void of that, as is honestly when you really I've had moments this we just finished a tour where um I, I played some of my favorite shows I've ever played in my life I've played thousands of shows yeah and, and I've been singing since I was five and we played a we played a show in Wellington New Zealand mm. and I'm telling you it was it was the highest I've ever been Adam mm. and I've been high <laughs> <laughs> it was the highest I've ever been because I was, I was, I won't even, I won't even say what the calculation was. There was so, probably so many things happening that I was unaware of, but what I felt the, the, the largest um, ingredient to that life salad was, was I was just void of my ego on that, on that stage and just ever thankful for the opportunity to get to stand in front of a group of people and, and, usher all of us into an emotional experience wow and i was like and 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 that was the ticket and i was like okay I, I, hey, this is this is the this is where it comes needs to come from 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 here on out and it's you know at times you get you get confused because people tell you you're great or people you know like but if you can get to there uh i'm talking a lot i don't even know if there's a question and i'm answering something in here but but um that was I do have the greatest job of all time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you brought up something beautiful. It's like, you know, uh, you know, especially in the spiritual community, it hasn't been as prevalent as, as it used to be, but there used to be the moniker, kill the ego, right? We want to kill the ego. They talk a lot about Kundalini yoga, about the ego eradication and things like that. But every part of us has a place, right? And, and just like you said, the ego is that, that impetus to get us to get up on stage and say, Hey, look, I got something to say. Maybe hmm. you want to hear it. Right. But we can't let the ego take over, just like we can't let any part of our body take over. Even if we mm. just let pure consciousness take over, right? And we're just these conscious beings, we might put ourselves in a position where we're not we're not safe, but we don't realize it because our ego, that's our ego's job is to let us know like, hey, we're feeling good here or we're not feeling good here, right? Mm. So having those, having that understanding that the ego is a part of it, but it can't run the show, right? The ego is what gets you onto the stage, but the consciousness is what allows you to observe the beauty of what the stage offers, just like that New Zealand show you just talked about like if it was just you and your ego up there i mean like yes worship alan and the music that i create then that wouldn't be that beautiful you know story you just shared it was just like i 
became part of the experience instead of the leader of the experience, right? Mm. Now we're all just melded in this beautiful, entropic, fucking cosmic mess of awesome just experience together. Here we go. Now we're just vibing mm. together, right? Mm. And that's beautiful, right? That's, that's the ego getting you where you need it to be so that the rest of your consciousness can be like absorbing of the experience that you've created. Yeah, that's a beautiful way to put it. It's fucking beautiful, man. There's a, you know, there's, there's a, I, I've, I have not written anything yet. I'm trying to write as far as like a, a book or something like that goes, but you mentioned something about, um, you know, the divine kind of in a, in a way that, that has helped me kind of get out of my own way in my creative process. You know, for a long time, I thought I was the creator, right? I've got to put something down on paper. I've got to find mm. this thing. And it put a lot of pressure on me. But, mm. you know, the more I start to understand that I'm just a vessel, I'm just a conduit, right? And if I can just open myself to the, the energies of whatever's around me, then something will filter through my consciousness into the paper and be like, okay, here's your idea, right? I think I was actually just listening to a Jack White interview a couple of weeks ago, and he was saying, like, he's like, basically what you just said, if you, if you think you are the writer of the song, then stop fucking writing music, you're a vessel. You open yourself up and you channel whatever's coming through you. And that's how that beautiful music and that how that beautiful artwork, whatever it is, is created. It's not you physically. You're just that conduit that caught the energy that's like, oh, hey, my antenna was up and I caught that thing. And now we're going to make this thing together. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, saying that makes me think, too, about how, how different... Um, artist's capability can be mm. because art is such a reflection of something that's not the artist if that makes sense you yeah. know we, we are to your point we we are such vessels as artists and creators that i man i've been in studios and in studio sessions with people who can't who can't play music they can't play an instrument they don't sing well but they're so void of the the ego and such a conduit and such a vessel funnel so you say mm -hmm. uh that what they make is some of the most epic music you'll ever hear some of the some of the greatest painting you'll ever see um the 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 difficult part i think for a musician a lot of times is like you know, you, you, you approach it like a science in, in certain regards. Okay. So why does this person, you know, what are they doing in this song that gets them attention? What is, okay. Well, if you play the, the three with the f five in the bass over this, you know, you can study art, you can, you can utilize your thinking brain to try and like figure it out so that you can do art better. Right. Um, and and sometimes that works you know in order to be a good artist you have to you you have to work at it yeah right you have to be able to play the thing or sing in pitch or or write you know sit down and actually write a book mm -hmm. you know um and so once those faculties are you know have been practiced enough mm -hmm. you know then you can kind of relax and be the it's it's, it's just a weird I don't know. I've been do, dealing a lot with duality in life, okay, and and how all the positive things in your life still cast a shadow. Mm. Like everything casts shadows, right? There's no, 
There's no solutions, just trade-offs. It's like you get good at this thing. Well, you utilized all your time to get good at that thing. You got bad at this thing. You know, it's 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 like we never arrive at this place of the nirvana or, you know, like it's just you're constantly even down to our like cells, right? They have positive and negative charge. And uh, I'm fascinated by that. Yeah. What I think. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go, you go. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I mean, just what you're talking about right now is that, you know, that, that, okay, so I'm going to put, let's say like I have an album coming out, right? So I'm going to put all my focus into writing that music, getting the content right to, to make that, you know, so I can create the album. So then we can tour on that and, and generate revenue and yada, yada, get fans, all that stuff. But all the dedication you're putting towards that album, to your point, might be sacrificing time from your kids and your family. Right. And so, yeah, where do we find that balance and how do we continuously like stay in check with ourselves so we can have, have a, uh, a feeling that, you know, we're putting our time where it needs to be, but we're also not sacrificing other things. Mm. You know, that's why, honestly, I have the, the word remember tattooed on my fingers, on my knuckles. And that's one of the reasons, like there's many layers of it, but that's one of those reasons I have it is because we forget, like we could have the biggest aha moments. We could have the biggest, like understanding mm -hmm. the greatest plan that we've ever wanted to execute. But then we get into the execution of that plan. And it's like, oh shit, like I'm doing this, but I'm sacrificing that, or I'm not focusing on that and all this stuff. But for me, it's like, remember at one point in time, you were clear enough to make this plan and know that it was going to work. And even if there were sacrifices, you're going to be okay with that and you can move with it. But we mm -hmm. get so caught up in our life that we forget that we were rational human beings at one point in time that made this decision. So finding that balance and continuing to, to keep the balance, I think is, I mean, that's one of the goals of our life is to how do we keep all the plates spinning and how do we make mm -hmm. sure that the plates that are spinning are worth spinning and they're not just spinning mm -hmm. because somebody's told us that we need to spin those fucking plates. Yeah, it's the, it's, it's just the ever, ever moving target of, of life, which is what makes life interesting mm -hmm. is your, is your ability to analyze it and and reshape it but uh it constantly i released a song recently called a bit of both yeah and um uh, there's a lyric in there and i'm totally gonna i'm totally gonna butcher my own song <laughs> I'm, I'm about to like open up the web browser on my computer right now to look at the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, to be but, fair, man, you got thousands of songs in your head, man. <laughs> yeah, no, I've also got a terrible memory. Um, but the first line of the song is, if you look towards heaven on any given night, you may see the stars shining, shining ever bright. But are they really shining or just burning in the sky? Mm. Maybe it's a little bit of both at the same time. Right? Like to Like a star, if you see it, it's probably already burnt out. Right, yeah. Right. But, but we look up and we're in, in magic. It's like, whoa, it's majestic. Yeah. And so many things in life are that they're so compelling and they're so beautiful and they bring us so much good, but yet aspects of it bring us terrible things too. We're living and dying at the same time. Right. It's like, uh, it's, it's, confusing but also like kind of uh it makes me at peace yeah 
because you're you're just teeter tottering a little back and forth through this this weird journey uh called life yeah and and uh yeah I don't know. I'm I'm having an existential moment right now, so I apologize. No, that's <laughs> good, man. Well, I think that's uh, you know kind of goes back to our ego part. You know, the conversation we were talking about earlier. It's like when we when we're fo- when we're focused on that ego drive, then we're always moving towards something. We're we're pushing right. towards something, but there is that that just understanding that we're part of this life. Like I'm not I'm 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 getting to a point in life now where I'm I'm trying to stop directing my life and i'm trying to just understand there's a flow of life the a, a dharma if you will right there's this purpose that i have on this planet that you know i might not have understood it in the beginning because i was caught up in let's say uh, the western mindset right i got to grow up i got to go to college i got to get a job i got to have kids i got to make a career i got to get a retirement i got all this shit right mm. i was doing all that and i was fucking miserable like I was miserable. Like when we first met each other, Alan, I was a miserable human being. I was an alcoholic. I was not happy in my job. I was uh, abandoning my family because I just wasn't ready to be a father. All this shit, right? Mm-hmm. But in, and not to say that to be like, oh, sad Adam, right? No, but that's just you know, as looking back in our lives, we can start to understand like that was not a good place, right? But I also recognize that I was trying to force my way through life. I wasn't. I wasn't recognizing this path that I had right? To, to like our conversation earlier, like I love music. I was very heavily involved in music for a long time. I went to school for it. I was writing music. I was producing music, but I got out of that passion because I didn't see uh, an end game to where I could survive and stabilize my family and stuff like that. So I stopped that and I went the corporate route and just dialed into restaurants and okay, that's going to be my shit. But now as I get older, you know, and I understand like that stuff doesn't mean anything, you know, that, that, that 401k, that fucking retirement plan, that insurance, all that shit doesn't mean shit because I wasn't happy. So now as I start to peel away all of those layers that I put on my life and just look at the passions that have driven me in the, in the beginning, you know, it's music, it's creating content, it's having cool conversations with awesome people about life. Right. And so maybe there's not as much money in that for me. That's okay. I'm still alive. My kids mm. are still happy. I still have a roof over my head and I get to do shit that I'm really happy and proud of, you mm. know, and that's that Dharma, right? And by no means am I just hundred percent following my path. There's still ego involved, but it's less than it was. And I feel more directed, right? And so I think, you know, to that point you were making earlier, it's like, we, we've got to kind of get out of our own ways of where we think we need to go and listen to those quiet voices, you know, listen to those voices yeah. to say, Alan, you got a beautiful voice, man. Fucking pick that guitar up and, and sing, make some people happy. You know, let's see where that goes. Yeah. So as you're saying that, it's interesting because that, like, there was a portion of that perspective that led me into music. You know, there, there was an ego in what I wanted to do with my life that couldn't be just normal CPA, uh, restaurateur. Mm -hmm. I had to do something spectacular. And, and my ego did that. That was my ego bringing me in. Like you can't be, you know, you, you failed at sports in high, you know, you didn't do the, you weren't, 
a D1 ball player, so you got to do something spectacular. Hmm. And um, and it was later on in, you know, like probably eight to ten years in that I realized like, oh, oh, this, this shit could go away tomorrow. Hmm. <laughs> and so now, you know, I'm, I'm learning that, uh, I'm learning that floating and they're like, oh, I'm so glad that I, that I realized this, that I'm doing something that I love in the midst of realizing that it could go away at any moment. The security that I feel like I have, uh, which we don't, right. right? We don't actually have any security on this like floating rock in the middle of nothingness. <laughs> in space trash cascading like through our orbit we don't actually have security but in order for us to feel safe right our thinking mind tells us we do because we we lived up to this point so tomorrow which hopefully let's plan for that right uh-huh. and uh man it's just it's just hilarious like pathways are so wild human it, if I were to think the guy that was my manager at that movie theater restaurant job in Redmond, Washington <laughs> would have the trajectory of what you've done. And, and we haven't maintained a super tight relationship since that time, but we've, I've kept tabs on you. Yeah. And, and, uh, that's such a beautiful thing to see in reflection to people you meet in your life is seeing them go, yeah, that's not working out for me. I'm going to go do something different and I'm going to be brave and uh, attempt to follow my, my heart instead of my mind. And, um, that's cool, man. You should be proud. Thank you you should be proud that you had those minerals. Cause it takes, it takes some guts to, to go, I'm I'm gonna get away from this like safety net. Yeah, I mean, I've 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 got close friends still who like it's so hard to jump. It's yeah. so hard to like get away from that the the that safety net for for lack of a better term. Yeah, and pursue the thing that is terrifying. Yes. And, uh, you know, there's, uh, there's another kind of a uh, story I want to share with you that I'm not sure that you're aware of, um, there. Uh, so after, after, I think you left, you left the job we were at together, you were on, I think you were on Jimmy Fallon, right? You did like, uh, one of the, the big talk shows, right. And you were just, it, it was, it was amazing. I saw you on TV. I'm like, okay, that I, I'm never going to see him in person again. Like he's off doing his shit. Right. But, uh, but after that, you were doing some shows in Seattle, and there was a gig that you were doing at Jillian's. Uh, there was like a reoccurring gig, like once a week or something like that, you did with uh, with uh, this guy named Matt Cavinta, who also worked with us at Pick for a little bit. And uh, yeah. yeah, it was just like a real small, like real short stint. You were doing like acoustic sets, maybe like a half an hour set at Jillian's. And um, and I used to work there. I worked at Jill's for 10 years. And so I used to start, I, I did the live music program down there and I, I did battle the bands and all that stuff. But it had been many, many years since I had touched any of that equipment. But 
when you were doing that stuff at Jillian's, the owner of Jillian's contacted me and wanted me to come out and do sound for you, right? And so, again, you you were this catalyst to get me back into doing sound again, which I hadn't done in probably about five oh, wow. to seven years at that time. But I'm like, okay, I know Alan, love him, want to help and support his career, know Matt, love him, know the Jillian's company, love them. So it was like everything worked out to the way that it needed to for me to feel safe enough to put, dip a toe back in. And, you know, got there and, and did some stuff with you. And it just, it revitalized this energy inside of me that showed me like, you do have passions, right? You, you, you have passions outside of just making sure that somebody else's PNL is in line, making sure mm -hmm. that somebody else's restaurant is staffed up. Right. And so that, that was another one of those moments in my life to, to let me look at it and say, okay, how can I integrate this back in? Because this is fun and I don't have fun mm -hmm. in my life right now. You know, and so you were another time, you know, another catalyst for me to kind of like step back into a passion that I once forgot about, you know, and so like we never know where these passions are going to be rekindled or we never know like who's going to be the one that lights that fire, you mm. know, so being open to these opportunities and, and, and allowing ourselves to to be guided and not to feel like we're the one that needs to be the guide all the time right? You guided me back into this place where you didn't realize you were doing it. I didn't realize you were doing it, but just from the actions that you took as your normal human self, it brought me along on that ride and rekindled something beautiful inside me. Right? So we never know where this is going to happen from, you know, just leave yourself open for it. Yeah. You, you definitely need to lead with an open heart. Absolutely. I'm, I'm constantly blown away by how many minor decisions I've made in my life that led to major character building moments. Mm. How many, yo, like <laughs> this is, I tell a story a lot about, um, my, my wife Taz has just changed me for the better as a man. Mm. Um, and I met her in 2013 on an Australian tour, went over, she's one of the first people I met. She had no idea who I was or what I was doing, but was super cool. Um, I go home, I finished that. I, I Flying home from that trip, I looked at my, my calendar and I'd been home in Seattle. I was living in Seattle at the time. Mm -hmm. I'd been home for uh, three days that year. This is like 2012. This is post Conan. I was pounding the pavement. Okay. And I haven't really stopped pounding the pavement since, but this was like the first real taste of what it means to go and build a career in the music industry. And um, we finish in Australia for that kind of calendar year. I go home and I had such a good time in Australia. I'm like, I got to go back. Like, I've never taken a vacation. I finally have a little bit of money in my bank account. I'm going to go back to Australia. I fly back to Australia. And like sort of in the back of my mind, I'm like, yeah, this girl, like, she was cool, man. She was super cool. But like, I'm, yeah, I'm not trying to date a girl who lives in Australia. Right. That's just the dumbest thing. I travel all the time and she lives as far away as possible. <laughs> but to, to my point more of how many, how many little things must go right and how how much gratitude you can give in your life if you focus on how many things must happen correctly every moment in order for us to experience joy and happiness and fulfillment and and i've got a million of these stories 
conversations that I just randomly had that led to X mm-hmm. because I was open enough to have them. Right. Friendships that have lasted me for my entire life because I was open to it. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. The terrible aspect of it, the fear that I keeps me up potentially at night is how many moments I've missed mm. because I've been closed. How many opportunities have drifted off in the wind because I was closed down to it. Right. It's pointless to, to um it's pointless to spend too much time on that. Right. Because you can't change it, but it is it's an interesting thought experiment. It is. You really dive into it. Yeah. But to finish the story, I, I fly to Australia, and this is kind of a silly story. Hopefully the listeners will maybe get a, an idea of how much of an idiot I am. Even though <laughs> I'm, trying to use, I'm trying to use all the biggest words I know. Am I, you know, on a podcast, you're just like, yeah, let me see, see how many syllables I can bust right. out and make people think that I'm getting really smart. They don't realize how dumb I am. Uh, so we, we play our last show um on this on this trek uh you know this is like a couple weeks after we just got back from australia we got a show in knoxville tennessee a good friend of mine named ryan shea smith sweetheart of a man he's a seattle boy um was one of the first piano players in in seattle area that like was nice to me and could actually play music really well he comes to the show he brings like an eighth of weed he's like oh dude brought you this dog you, you know and that happens on the road like people just bring you bring you bud right? right hell yeah um so after that show that night i'm flying to australia to go on vacation to hang out with with my now wife of 10 years um and i go to repack my bag that night and i'm like man where's that weed Right, like he gave me this whole eighth of weed. Like I, I gotta find that, make sure that I don't fly with it. I'm digging through everything, <laughs> repack everything. I'm like, well, I must have like gave it away or something. I don't know. Fly all the way to Australia. Me and my buddy Elliot, uh, we get into Brisbane, and we look the part. Of course, we're only in Australia for a week, and like I've been touring for six months. I got a bag the size of a casket. Oh, <laughs> we're going through security. They pull pull me over. They're like, yo, 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 let's, let's check out your bag, pull out my whole bag, everything. And I'm like, I get it. I get it, dude. I look like this. My friend has a dread down to his ankles, Right. you know, pull it, please do your job. Yeah. Check. <laughs> but I searched my bag thoroughly, pull through everything. Sure enough, nothing. Right. High five to the agent. We get going, land in Melbourne. Two days later, I, we were going out to a club. And I've got this special pair of boots. I got my hot boots, you know. <laughs> and I go to put my foot in my hot boot. Oh, shit. I can't get my foot in there. <laughs> I reach in the toe of my hot boot and I pull out this fucking eighth of weed. Oh, fuck. That if that would have gone any different, right? Like if, if for some reason when he threw that boot out of my bag, it hit a different article of clothing. If he was left-handed instead of right-handed, mm-hmm. and that weed would have came out of there, I would have never been let back in that country. I would have never met my wife. I wouldn't have my two kids. Mm. They wouldn't even be alive. Like the, and I had no control over that moment, right? right. Mm. Like I was just floating in nothingness. And I 
to this day, I'm so grateful that it worked out the way it did. But those things in life, though, that happens all the time. Right. And uh, if you're constantly, I find the 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 more frequently I am attempting to be in control and micromanaging every single decision that I make, the worse I fuck it up. Right. The more that I am like non-resistant, egoless, kind of floating through, um, with intention. Right. Right. Like I'm I'm pointing that bow of the ship in in a direction that I my thinking mind tells me will lead to good things. But uh, going back and highlighting that balance, that duality, uh, I, I do my best to put it on cruise control as often as possible. And that seems to work out so, like, so many more times, so much more often than not better. Right. There's a, there's a quote from Einstein that, that reminds me of that. And I try to remind myself of this quote all the time when I have those moments is that if you believe in any, if you believe one thing can be a miracle, you have to believe everything is a miracle. Right. And that's, yeah. you know, that's so beautiful. Like, is just that moment, right. You know, like, Hey, if that fucking, if that, that right-handed officer was left-handed and check that hot boot a little bit differently, then this would be a whole different story, but it wasn't, you know, right. it wasn't. And, and that we allow that to, to be part of the the wonder of the world right if like oh my mm. god like that was such a beautiful experience for me to not have that go that way but to go this way and and in, in a way maybe that that creates a little bit more appreciation for you in the process of life right because if you would have been like like you said micromanaging that oh my god i hope he doesn't check my boot oh my god there's something in there Ideal, you know, initially, like as soon as we start thinking, don't check there, don't check there, somebody's going to check there because, you know, we're basically telling them to look there. Right. And so, but just like releasing that, having being part of the process, being part of just the life that we're living, it can, it can lead to such beautiful miracles and just whether we're witness to them or not. Right. Yeah. Yeah, what a, what a wild thing, life. <laughs> yeah, I can think back of too many uh, too many uh, situations in life where I was like about to be arrested, about to be you know beat up, about to be all this stuff, and something some divine thing came in and happened. Mm. You know, it it kept me safe. It it put me on a different path. You know, and as I get older in life, I have to like not have to, but you know, in these meditations that I have, I'll look back and and just see like what was protecting me. You know, mm. what, what, what kept me from getting in that kind of trouble? What kept me from almost losing my life? What kept me from that to that? Like, it's, it's so interesting. Like we, you can get caught in these like thought experiments, right? Like, was it my higher self that kept me safe? Was mm. there, uh, you know, one day I'll realize my divine purpose and I've got to realize that divine purpose to reach the goal of life that I wanted to reach. So they're going to keep me safe and padded in some of these ignorant adolescent things that I do. I'll learn my lesson, but I won't get in too much trouble so that I can still continue on my path. Am I that fucking important that that's all made for me? You know, it's like, this is, again, this is where that ego kind of comes in. You know, it's like, am I the person, right? No, but we all have a place to play. I think the best advice I ever heard was we're all, we're all unique, but nobody's special. Mm, yeah like yeah, everybody yeah. has your own unique qualities that make you alan stone that make me adam real that make your children who they are that make my you know whoever it is and that is beautiful because nobody can be alan stone like you nobody can be adam real like me but the moment we start thinking that we're special because i'm adam real 
and look at me, I'm fucking bright and shiny. That's when the shit goes sideways. Right. Yeah. But yes, lean into your uniqueness, but understand that uniqueness is only to serve the greater good of humanity. Finding mm. your way to utilize that uniqueness into your dharmic path, into your moment of actualization. That's that's the fucking juicy shit, right? That's the reason we're here is to figure that part out. In my opinion, at least. No, I, I completely agree. We're all unique, but no one's special. Yeah, it's if you make it, uh, if you if you are conscious, somehow we've been there's like a garden of curiosity in our consciousness that beckons us to wonder <laughs> how it all and why it all works, and like where does that come from? That's so crazy that we've we've found ourselves floating into this ocean by means of our ancestors that we didn't cultivate. Mm -hmm. uh, and we get to sit in a place and have thoughts <laughs> like what we're having right now. Right. Um, all based on the, the, the privilege of humanity that we've been passed to. I mean, life and art, like our, our pretty much the same thing, right? Like the art is just a reflection of life right. and livelihood. And, and as an artist, I, I don't know, they're just the best places I've ever been in my life have come from like feelings of gratitude, just gratitude for what I get to experience and what I, and the tools I get to utilize because of my predecessors. Right. And if I approach life in a, with a heart of curiosity and, and, a, and a mind of gratitude, that seems to be the best place for it. And, and also too, like not for me personally, not arriving at any like conclusions. Yeah. It's, it's funny how, you know, we're naturally raised in kind of binary code where yeses and nos and absolute truth, you know, obviously exist, but, uh, but they're so murky to know when it is and when it isn't. Yeah. Well, I think that, that, that kind of spreads into uh, some of the, I mean, I, the, the way that you approach music is beautiful. I think there's, there's like your conscious music that you write that has beautiful like messages in them. There's like the fun music that you write that's just like very good crowd amplifying, just like get your shit fucking moving. There's mm -hmm. uh, ballads like Consider Me that you've written. Like there's, there's just this spectrum of ability that you have to write music. And, but the, 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 the music that I'm the most tied to is, is your conscious music. And I mm. think you, you, you know, you said with a heart of curiosity, just this now. And I think the very first song, there's two songs that I heard from you right off the bat that I remembered from that demo you gave me. One is vibe with you. And that was just such yeah. a fucking great, just jumpy, just like, all right, this has got a groove to it, you know, back, dude. but unaware when I heard unaware, I was like, okay, what the fuck, man? Where has this song been my entire life? Why is Marvin Gaye a white guy now? Like, what the fuck just happened to this, right? Mm -hmm. And and then to hear that song continue to morph, and then I heard the, the from your mother's basement, 
that version of unaware and the vocals that you hit in that fucking on that, that when the crescendo hits, I still get goosebumps thinking about that. And I, when I talk about you and your music, that's still one of the first songs that I'll play for people, even though you have like hundreds of songs cataloged from there. Cause it's just such a moving and a beautiful, beautiful awareness song to say like, Hey, like, here you go, man. Like that touched my soul. And, you know, and so songs like Freedom, Warrior, American Privilege, you know, a bit of both, which you just mentioned, like there's this, this beautiful, like rawness to these emotions, especially with like American Privilege, where, I mean, uh, that hits home for me because, you know, I, it was only within the past 10 years, maybe 15 years that I became conscious of white privilege, you know, white male privilege. And so, you know, you know, as I'm unraveling that kind of story that's been living in my consciousness, subconscious for a long time that I was resistant to at first, but now totally, not totally understand, but understand and, and beginning to understand the, the role that I play songs like American Privilege, you know, that that song was just really hard to hear. But it landed in, in, a, in a way that it needed to land. And I really hope that a lot of people get the message from that song. So like with that with that type of music, like where does that come from, man? Are you just writing from, you know, your soul? Are you just opening up from there? Like where does that come from? I think it's just the once again recycling influence. Okay. <clears throat> Hopefully there's enough influence on an artist that um you it's not overwhelming where it comes from. Right. So uh, I'm heavily influ influenced by that like late 60s early 70s r&b and soul music right and there's an era of music that is easily the best era of music in my personal opinion i think that's like that era 60s and, and 70s of yeah. music um at least for like america and like western culture right and a lot of that music was protest music and and very conscious music. They wanted to say something. Mm -hmm. um, and specifically with R and B and soul music, R and B and soul music is always you know birthed from the church, then blues, and then rhythm and blues. Uh, and so it all originally came from from church music, from church song. Right. which has been very conscious music. Like if you look back at hymnals, church hymns, mm -hmm. those songs are deep. They're deep songs about the human experience. And whatever your uh, angle on religion, or church, or Christianity, corporate, whatever you want to call it. Right it's been ingrained in the human experience. The belief that this isn't it, the belief that there is ulterior entities and powers acting on us has, is as early as, as water, right. is as early as walking. And, um, Tunes like that, like American Privilege, Unaware, you know, those those come from growing up in in a place where where um, that belief was palpable. Yeah, 
that belief that like we can do more i can do more i can i can be powerful um i can change minds i can change hearts i can change lives and I, you know it it's weird now because my perspective has changed a little bit in in the way i approach music and songs um songs like american privilege you know i was very proud after i wrote that song because to me um when you're able to say something uh, unaware does this really well as also is when you're able to say something but people hear something else like unaware sounds like a sex song it sounds like an r&b like like love song and a lot of people are like oh dude like who's this girl that you know you say that you care i was unaware i'm like bro that's that's the U.S. government. What are you talking about? <laughs> what song are you listening to? <laughs> I'm talking about the feds, bro. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, I, I really like creating music that sounds one way, but says another. Mm-hmm. And um, ultimately, my goal now as a musician, which has changed, and and you know, the older I get. The, the hopefully an evolution is at work, but you know, my deepest goal now is just to create a space for people to um, disappear from the monotony of life. Mm. Right. So like as a musician, I think you are given this superpower, which is organizing sound in a specific way that cultivates like, an emotional response from a human being. If you're a really good linguist, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. You can organize word in a beautiful enough manner to compel emotion out of people. Yeah. If you're a writer, if you're a singer, if you're, I mean, everything we do, you make a damn good sandwich, that's going to compel emotion out of me, right? I've gotten teary-eyed over many sandwiches in my oh, life. Man, <laughs> I'm fucking lie, man. Come on, son. <laughs> um, so I, I think for me now, my my the bow has changed a little bit more. Those songs, especially American Privilege, it can, it can come off as a very preachy song. And I never want to feel like that as a musician. Okay. I want to I want to compel the audience to to think about a perspective that I've had but I never want whenever whenever I'm the one on stage like preaching that's when that ego comes in mm. cuz that's when like oh well, I got it figured out and I'm the last person in that room that has it figured out <laughs> um so I, I yeah I guess I do this a lot with these podcasts. It's like I, somebody asked me a question and then like my ADHD brain comes in and I like go, like I don't even answer the question, but I'm like, yeah, and then I have this spaghetti in Burbank. <laughs> 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 uh, to answer your question, like I think those a lot of those influences come from that that early 60s and, and 70s R&B protest music. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite records of all time is, is uh, that Marvin Gaye record. Yeah. Um, why is it? It's my favorite record of all time. What's going on? What's going on, man? Great album. You know, like that. That record was so ballsy. I mean, he was he was a crooner. Mm-hmm. He was a crooner, and he uh, was swept up in 
the culture of like, hey, we have influence. We have the ability to change minds and to change the landscape of the culture we live in. And art can be that inertia. And I still believe that. I still believe that art can be a powerful instrument towards community, mm-hmm. towards evolution, towards change, positive change. And I also believe art can be utilized uh, for destruction mm-hmm. or um, for negativity. And uh, and yeah, I, I guess I just always, that, that compels me yeah. continually to make art now that like, facilitates both those things that that allows people that space to disappear yeah i want to i want to dis like nothing allows you to disappear like going to a concert of of an artist that you love right like you hear uh beyonce sing a song from when you were back in high school and you are there you're literally like you can smell your ex-boyfriend's perfume (laughs) right yeah, that that's a, a a powerful instrument that if you if you weld it wield it correctly, um, can bring about a lot of positive change. I guess definitely in the uh, the work that I do now with uh, sound baths, um, you know, there's a bunch of multitude of in- instruments that I'll play, but there's one that that generally will elicit the most response from people, and it's this wave drum that I have, and it when mm. you play it, it sounds like ocean waves. And, you know, a lot of us have nostalgia around oceans that we used to vacation there, you know, we're 80% water. So whether subconsciously or consciously, we love the sound of water. Mm. Um, and that's the one instrument out of all the things that I have, all the bowls, all the shit. That's the one thing that people are like, that was the thing that meant the most to me, you know, mm. because we, we have n- so much nostalgia wrapped up in sound and auditory mm. experiences that it doesn't take a lot to put us back into these places. So hearing the right kind of sound or having the right kind of emotion incited from a song that's been played or something like that, like there's so much beauty and healing that can happen from those moments that we might not realize, you know, like when I'm playing that, that wave drum, by no means am I like, please feel the emotions of the water. You know, I'm just like, Hey, this is, this is where I'm being drawn to, to play right now. You know, Mm -hmm. like the, the songs that you're writing, this is what I'm being drawn to write right now. Hopefully it's received well. And then all of a sudden you get this feedback of stuff that you couldn't even imagine it took places people to places that they've they've never been or they've never thought they'd get back to you know these emotional experiences that 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 just sound can elicit is such a beautiful experience man i love that yeah absolutely it's um it's interesting i'm i'm not positive that i knew you did sound baths i knew you're like deeply entrenched in in the yoga community Mm -hmm. Um, and I knew that you were very much so into like spiritual healing and spirituality, but I I don't think I was aware that you did sound baths. And I had one of my most cherished experiences, uh, recently at a sound bath Mm. and and I'm not like an avid sound bather. Yeah. Adam, I, (laughs) we had, uh, we had, um, a couple at, uh, Stone Family Field Trip, which is, it's a little festival up in uh, Liberty Lake, actually just where I am currently. Uh, and they they do a sound bath each year. And the first year was great. It was, wow, that's, 
you know, I'm naturally a skeptic right. when it, I lead with skepticism in all things in life. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, growing up in the church and, and my relationship with belief and religion and all that led me to, to this space of skepticism. Um, but nevertheless tried it the first time, mm-hmm. uh, and, via my wife's uh, influence and and nudging <laughs> and I, I loved it i was like this is wow this is wild this is super cool well we had him back again uh, this last year and i i lost my mom back in may mm, sorry to hear that and uh i appreciate that and we a lot was happening during that time my wife was pregnant with our second child um, I was throwing the, the largest version of Stone Family Field Trip. Uh, we were moving house. And I, I believe I did grieve over my mom's passing, but, but grief is an interesting thing. Yes. It's an interesting experience and, and landscape. And uh, at Field Trip last year, this is about three months after mom had passed. I we did yoga in the morning, and um, that was right before the sound bath. And I don't know if there was just like wherever that grief was kind of stored up in my body, mm. but I I sobbed mm. like the entire sound bath. Wow! And like and and not it, like tears of joy, really. Like I I could picture my mom. Um, and her just ever ability to be th- thankful and grateful and kind to others. Mm, wow. Um, while surrounded by all of these people who have helped me pull off what is one of the funnest experiences of my life, which is a music festival every year. Yeah. Uh, and it, I, I did not expect that. It was such a like a highlighted joy of my year. I still go back to. It. I'm like, dude, you ever done a sound bath? You know, like all my friends, <laughs> you ever done a sound bath? It's like that one, you know, homie who's just like, dude, you ever done DMT? Right. You know, <laughs> yeah, sure, buddy. Everybody, we we get it. You yeah. know, we get it. Okay. He's like, no, I'm serious. Like, you should try it. Yeah. Uh, it's that same um thing with me in that moment with that sound bath, and uh, it's, it's so cool to to hear that you're doing that work because it's powerful. It is, man. It is. And to be witness to people having experiences like yourself, like you talked about, you know, that's, it's, you know, it's, it's such a, it's such an honor to, to watch people process their, their grief, and their trauma, to be a part of it, to help hold that space. Um, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned your mom and how you felt her there. I, I lost my mom in uh, September this last year. And, oh, uh, thank you, man. And, um, but I feel her so strongly with every sound bath that I do. You know, she only got to come to a few of them uh, after I transitioned into that kind of work. And but she she loved it so much, and she always talked about how much it meant to her that she knew I was doing something positive, right? I was trying mm-hmm. to help people through this journey, and and so she always talked about that. Like it's just you know, because my my life was very self centered for a long time, you know. So for me to start peeling back that and and to to open up the understanding that you know the world is bigger than me, 
And, you know, for her to be alive long enough to watch that, you know, movement and that transformation. But now every time I sit down behind a sound bowl, whether it's in my, my room here that we're in to do a personal Reiki client or whether it's to hold space for, you know, 40 to 70 people, I feel my mom right with me, you know, and it's such a beautiful feeling to like, to know that that spirit's there to support me and to, to, to keep me safe while I'm, while I'm helping these people through their journeys. It's awesome, man. Such powerful work. Good on you. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Well, the last thing I really want to talk to you about, and since we're talking about sound baths, and we'll make this quick because I know you got some time, but uh, it's just how do, you, how do you recover after all the stuff that you do, right? So I, you mm. just put a funny uh, funny Instagram video out about bubble baths, which I'm a, of an avid bubble bath get, uh, taker myself. <laughs> uh, you know, Luckily, I don't have to rip a microphone off my hairy chest before I put, uh, jump in the bubble bath. But, uh, <laughs> but what kind of stuff do you do to kind of just like recover and get back to being, you know, Alan, the dad, Alan, the, the husband, Alan, the, the, the home guy, instead of, you know, Alan Stone, the performer. Yeah, it's a trip. It's, it's a trip to go on, on tour and to stand. It's, it's such a powerful exercise too. in like, uh, suppressing the ego because hmm. you know, you, you, you go into a theater where like a thousand people are there to see you. If you look at it that way, right? right? You can't look at it that way. The ego can trick you to look at it that way. Mm-hmm. And you, and you get all the things backstage that you, you want, I want, I want throat coat and I want a Perrier and I want little sliced deli meats <laughs> and you know, like, and you get all that. Right. And, and and somebody makes sure that you're okay. You know your tour manager. May, can I get you anything? You know, do you? How you sleeping? Right? You, like, I'm surrounded by like people who are so like 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 generous to me hmm. through that experience of of touring and going to work. Like, who who gets that opportunity? Right. <laughs> right. Like to to go to Microsoft and you got like a team of people following you and then like, Hey, do you, how are your fingers? Yeah. Is that bar? You want me to massage this? You know, what's going on? You, you need it. You need an hour or so to warm up your thumbs. Um, just like interview. Hey, BET wants to interview about like this thing you did, you know, like the code that you did on the back end of that. Like my life as a, as an artist and a touring musician is, is odd. It's, it's just an odd experience. If you really look at it from 10,000 feet above, if you can pull away far enough from your, from your ego, you'd be like, this is a fucking weird human experience. Um, and then you get home and, and you just like, as a father and a husband, right? Like a, like a, like a beautiful household is you just fit in like a puzzle piece. You're not the, you're not the box, right? Like you're right. a piece of that puzzle to hopefully um, facilitate a beautiful picture of family. And uh, and emotionally, that adjustment can be weird. I mean, like me and my wife always talk about it. Like it takes us about a week to, we like, we're really happy to see each other. Yeah, it's great. We'll be back in it. And then, you know, she's, she's in her own routine that right. doesn't involve me, right? And then I'm now like, I'm, you know, I've just come off this crazy ego wave mm-hmm. and I'm crashing into home being like, yo, so like, what's, you know, I'll make some decisions around here. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, so it does, it, it, it is an interesting transition. We're getting better at it yeah. uh, for sure because we, we've been doing it for 
we'll, we'll be together 10 years this year. Beautiful. Um, uh, but you know, just the, the, the actual facility of like how I am able to, to do what I do. Um, my routine is I wake up, um, I have a little bit of coffee. Um, I have like my green smoothie drink. Um, I hopefully if I'm lucky and I'm regular, I go have a, a, a bowel movement. Uh, I throw my running shoes on and I go run for between, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. Mm -hmm. Uh, if I, if I have my way, I go straight from that into either a hot tub or a sauna. Oh yeah. And then I finish with a cold plunge. Um, and then I'm good. I can, I can piss lightning after that. There you go. Uh, if I'm on the road, um, I do a breathing exercise prior to like warming up my voice. Mm -hmm. You know, my voice is like, that's my instrument. And when you're singing two hours a night, five nights a week, and then, you know, depending on, depending on what your extracurriculars are, yeah, right. you know, like you're yelling over loud music at a bar or you're, you know, hanging out backstage afterwards, talking a lot. Um, so my warm up process is, uh, pretty full on. I do a, this, I learned it from this. I'm sure you've heard of him, this cat Wim, Wim Hof. Oh yeah, totally. Um, I mean, I didn't learn it from him. Right. But like, that was the sort of the catalyst of going, Oh, I wonder what this is like. Um, 30 breaths in, breathe it all out. Try to hold it for a minute and a half. Mm -hmm. uh, do that three times. Sometimes four, depending on like how the night before was. Right. Um, then I do a vocal warm up and I do two rounds of that. And that's like, it takes me an hour, but it's, I, I'm solid after that. I can typically, typically sing well for, for two hours. Um, that's a long time to sing the, 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 the level and the range that you have and the intensity that you have. That's a long damn time to sing, man. That's crazy. I appreciate that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm I, yeah, it's funny because I'm, I'm noticing too, that like, I don't have to sing that much mm. like for forever. It was, you know, cause you, you mentioned that song unaware from my mother's living room. Right. I filmed that right around the same time we were first meeting. Okay. All right. And that's like, you know, I don't know what note that is, but at the end of that song, like that's the <sighs> highest note I can hit. And that video was the first thing anybody ever cared about okay as far as my career and so that informed the rest of the you know 15 years that i've been doing this thing i'm like well i gotta hit the note yeah oh. i gotta sing as high as i can i gotta sing as loud as i can i gotta you know and it's it's not like that yeah it really is not um uh honestly the less like if you if when you hint that moments like that is what makes them special. Not if you're doing it every song, right? Like you've gone to those blues, you know, those guitar player shows, right? And like the guitar, like every song, there's a guitar solo. Yeah. You're like enough. Yep. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I want a full song of just the kick drum, please right. <laughs> give me a break from the guitar. Um, but, but I'm learning the older I get that like I can be 
uh, precise, more precise with my voice and I don't have to rip too much, but I've sure went through many of those years where I was just, you know, airing it out every night and hanging on the rim Oof. afterwards. Yeah. And, uh, that's a tough racket. Yeah. That probably it's hard for the longevity of that, you know, to keep mm-hmm. your, your vocals where you need it to be, to have the career that you want. But singing that, that level is, yeah. It's good to it's good to hear that you're that you're understanding that and backing off and you know I think there's also there's a I, I would never experience this myself but for you like there's a beauty in hearing the crowd sing your music to you oh yeah to where you don't even have to sing it's like oh my god like this is I I could never even imagine what that energy would feel like to have you know five people let alone a hundred or a thousand mm-hmm. people singing the words that you've written or helped write in this beautiful composition it's like wow, I'm just going to bask in this moment because this is beautiful. Yep. If, you, if you're if you open to basking in it, mm. but definitely have fell victim to my ego in a performative sense and not been able to receive that energy because I wasn't even aware of it. Mm. It was like, I'm here performing. Right. Like I saw Prince at the forum uh, a couple years before he passed. Okay. That was the most incredible show I've ever seen in my life. Without question. I don't know what Prince's experience was. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. He put on the greatest experience I've ever seen in my life. Did it fill him up spiritually and emotionally? Who knows? I I don't know. Right. But um, that performance really informed how, how, oh, I want to do shows like that where I'm commanding an audience. Right. Well, man, you command an audience like that and, and you have to really jump into that ego soup to do it. Yeah. Um, in order to feel it, it, Yeah, it's almost like a washing machine. Like if you're in the right space in a show where the energy you give gives energy back, which you catch and you receive and send back. It's like this beautiful tide. Yeah. If you when it's when it's when i've felt like i've done it the best or i mean i i haven't done it i got out of the way but when i've felt like it was whoa that was the greatest then you know the, and i have pivot points and moments that i can think of uh it's this ever flowing um turban of energy that you you catch the thing and you give it and you and they catch it and give it back and right. it's just it's like a teeter totter. You found the um, flow of it, you know. There's the, there's that that definite that flow of life where the 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 reciprocity. As much as I'm yeah. giving, I'm receiving, and as much as I'm receiving, I'm giving back. And it's like, oh my God, this is this is the way of life. This is the yeah. way, right? This is the way it works. This is beautiful. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. It's the way it works sometimes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't always work like that, and you got to go. Shit, man. Yeah. <laughs> that didn't work. Uh-huh. Oh, but brother, I want to respect your time, man. But I feel like we could talk for a, a, at least another hour about just awesome random things, man. But yeah, uh, thank you for your time, buddy. It was a lot of fun. So much fun, man. I'm I'm so happy to to see you progressing and to continuing on with your career, making these beautiful songs, having a beautiful family. 
Um, I'm looking forward to uh, to giving you guys a sound bath at your uh, just your Stone family vacation coming up, man. I'm really yeah, stoked man. for that. But man, uh, thank you for doing what you do. You you make beautiful music. You make beautiful life. Uh, I just I, I'm really appreciative to be the receiver the receiver of your art and uh, and to just know you as a human being. You're you're an awesome man, and I just I love the the trajectory of life that you've gone on, and I appreciate the influence you've had on me. Man, much respect, Adam. Thank you for your your kind, generous words, and um, and I appreciate your time. It's great to catch up, and can't wait for this summer. Definitely, brother. We'll try soon, man. Right on. Thank you so much for spending time with Al and I. Check out the show notes for ways to get in touch with Alan to see what he's up to with his tour or how to purchase his music. And as always, please like and subscribe to the show. Obeisance and love. We'll see you next time.